The perfect dictatorship would have the appearance of a democracy, but would basically be a prison without walls in which the prisoners would not even dream of escaping. It would essentially be a system of slavery where, through consumption and entertainment, the slaves would love their servitudes. That's an Aldous Huxley quote, apparently. I tried to look it up to confirm whether that was his or not, and it seems like there's some questions about it, but it was uh, maybe not directly said by him or written down by him, but uh, it's, it's, it's something. It's, it's, to do, it's to do with him. Um, at least people seem to credit it to him and nobody else. So, uh, dealing with life. This is this is (laughs) this is dealing with life. I said. This is dealing with life. I used to think if I couldn't find hope, I should just let it all go. I used to think if I couldn't make dreams come true, I should just let them all go. When life seems Probably not a good idea, but I just unwrapped a Tootsie Pop. It's November 10th, 10 days after the spooky day. And I've still got a stash of Tootsie Pop, Tootsie Pops, that I raided from my works candy bowl. I don't know if you can hear that in the background right now, but that's what my heating in my house sounds like and I've lived here for this will be my third winter and I always forget during half the year that that's what it sounds like but it just sounds like if if you can't hear it like somebody's just dumping buckets of water just outside my like just on the other side of the wall but it's in the wall. I like I don't get it. I've had I've lived in some janky buildings in my time and I've never had whatever heating system this is. I don't even yeah, I like I'm surprised that there's not steam or something billowing out cuz there's just constant. It's kind of nice cuz when I go to sleep at night, you know, I don't need to have white noise or or rain sounds going because I've got a waterfall, basically. People have slept over and been like, what is that? And I'm like, that's just my walls. Get used to it. Going to be taking a lot of Tootsie Pop breaks, I think. Unless it's really annoying for for you to listen to. 
I chose that quote to start things off because there was a democratic process that went on during the time that has elapsed since I last recorded a podcast. I think the whole world was looking forward to it. For better or for worse, it was uh, just going to be entertainment. On that note, can I say that the politics in the U.S. is so, so broken? It's not real. I don't even think it tries to be real. There's no real choice, and there's no belief in it. It gets all the dog and pony show. The Democrats, the Republicans are so goddamn similar and no candidate that actually energizes the whole country can break in. Like, look at what happened with Bernie. It's reality TV. I, I don't know how, but I stumbled onto some video of Donald Trump top funny moments or something. So I clicked on it because he's, he's entertainment. And the main takeaway, even if you just took away what he was saying, is how just fake and theatrical all of it is and was. I was watching, I guess, U.S. channels leading up to it and just political ad after political ad after political ad. I don't, I really, I don't know. I don't get it. Their faux democracy was falling apart before this in 2016, maybe even before that. But people were realizing more and more that it didn't matter and they needed to find new ways to, to look at the political system and how it's set up, especially with the Bernie thing. Like, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back uh, during the, the Democrats' nomination. And then came Trump, who was the perfect distraction. He's ever the showman, proven it with his TV shows and wrestling spots and whatever. Obviously, was friends and is friends with all these lifetime politicians and has politicked with them all before, for lack of a better term. And he was perfect at dividing the public on a political level and getting the country engaged in the political system again and turning to it for change and wanting to believe in it. And bam, now they did it. It works. Woohoo! American democracy is alive and well, baby. But fuck. Like, take a look around. Yes, Trump is gone, and yes, that is good, but his replacement is Joe fucking Biden. How are we celebrating that? And we are, the country, the world, the entire world is celebrating that. And I get that, yes, he's better than Trump, but that shouldn't be enough. We've let them manipulate us to being stoked and happy that Joe Biden is president. A dude who's vice president a year ago said that she believed in his sexual assault accusers and now she's his vice and they're hopefully i guess at least in this case heading to office because that's definitely not a sure thing yet but the dude is falling apart he's so old certainly not aging like david attenborough he's been involved in some horrific political decisions obviously there's the the accusations with 
with women and questionable things out of uh, videos of him. He's probably only very few people's first choice as president, yet here he is. It makes no sense. And the world couldn't be happier about it. You know, this should be Bernie or Tulsi or a lot of other people who would be much greater choices and honestly serve better and, and be a more popular choice to everybody after they actually got in it or started making changes. But that's not how it works. It works how the DNC and the GOP want it to, and the two of them will and do team up to stop anyone outside of their, their parties from getting to the House. Your only path right now is to work your way up through these systems and prove your loyalty before you can even get close. It's political theater, like I said, it, and none of it's real. No matter what happens, even if whatever's going to go on over the next two months goes on, I, I, I don't think the decision makers really care that much. Maybe I'm jaded with the whole thing and I just over it but I, I it it doesn't make sense it does not inspire any good feelings from me there's no positive expectations for the future if this is what we're working with and this is how it works and these are the candidates i don't think it's a real democracy you know that's why i wanted and i've said this before but this is the reason why I wanted Trump over Hillary in 2016, is I thought that it would teach the DNC a lesson about doing everything to keep Bernie out of the nomination and, and show that people won't stand for it. We weren't going to accept Hillary as president. The younger generation spoke and wanted real change, and there's so many more of us that we can change an election, and yet they still wouldn't let that happen. Hillary had to be the nominee. But now what I'm realizing is that Trump was just the four-year backup plan. People did choose to punish the DNC in the only way that they could. Either not vote, vote for Trump, vote third party or right, and none of it was really going to matter. But all they knew they were doing was, you know, the DNC wasn't going to win. The Democrats weren't going to win the, the election in 2016. The problem is that it's not the DNC versus the GOP. It's the current power structure in the U.S., which uses this facade of democracy to continue their current role. And you can't punish them because there isn't a way to do it within the current structure. At the end of the day, this Biden victory isn't a victory being painted as that and a lot of the country and world is, has bought in but this is not a victory presidents should not be in their 70s they just shouldn't our leaders should not be that old especially in an age where the world is growing and changing exponentially like, these candidates were in their mid-60s when the first iPhone came out. Think about that. They have no idea about the, the connectivity of the world, nor do they have a pulse on any of the real going-ons. 
No, they're just faces. And that's really depressing. I hope it gets blown up at some point, the, this current U.S. political system. Because there are places in the world that are doing it right, that are doing it better. There are certainly places that are doing it worse, but I don't even... I mean, no, there are certainly places that are doing it worse. But there are, there are places that many people would say are doing it worse, that are doing it just more open. You know, what the U.S. puts forth as its democratic process is not actually what's going on. That's my problem with the whole thing. But we'll see. It's only, I mean, as far as just the the, the entertainment and, and watching it unfold, I'll give it that. I had, I was watching live news streams of the U.S. election day and the next three days, which, I mean, that's probably what uh, what they want. So good for them. But still, yeah, no, as far as whatever this, whatever we're watching is still going to be incredibly interesting over the next two months because I was reading an article about what Trump actually can do, and it's in the Constitution that by not doing his concession speech you know not conceding yet that there there's a lot more steps to go before this election becomes certified like generally the two nominees you know whichever one once it's clear that they're not going to get enough electoral votes then one comes out and, and does his concession speak concedes and then it's easier to get through the rest of the process because there's only one horse left in the race but when one of them chooses not to concede then it's not done yet there's there's a bunch of extra steps to go through where constitutionally both are still in the running even if the votes are are one way or the other and so trump has a, a legit chance not a, a a high percent chance but he has a legit real chance to stay in office by continuing to contest, you know, asking for recounts, filing lawsuits, basically the, the count, the election, popular general election won't matter and it'll go to the House and then they'll have to do this election. And from there, there's a bunch of different things that can go on and we haven't even gotten to the fact that Trump can weaponize his power you know, you got to assume that most of the military is on his side. You certainly know that most police forces and law enforcement are on his side. And you got to assume that most of the armed citizens are on his side. And any uh, militia group in the U.S. besides an Antifa group uh, will be on his side as well. And if he wants to call on them oh boy but that's 2020 y'all welcome to it this is the 11th episode of 12 the season finale hopefully not the series finale but the season finale is gonna be a doozy december's gonna be crazy i've got this feeling that 
December's going to come along. More crazy shit's going to happen. People are going to get through it. Christmas is going to be weird as hell. Suicide rates will be high, unfortunately. People are just going to... It's going to be a rough time. People aren't going to have money. People are going to be in debt. I'm not going to be able to see the family, travel. They're going to be alone. It's going to be so bad. We'll get through it, though, and we'll get to New Year's Eve, and people will be like, oh, finally, let's, let's, at least in whatever way that we can, let's put this year behind us. And everybody's going to be together. And you count it down. And then at zero... It's just going to move to like 11.59.1 or something. December 32nd. And then who knows how many days of December 2020 there'll be. The calendar's just not going to switch over. Going to be stuck in 2020 forever. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Not by... 2020 standards. Um, Sober October ended. Just before the election. Actually, like the first night I drank. Ah, that's not true. Drank the night before the election. I had uh, two beers with some co-workers. But, um... Sober October ended and that was good. That was fine. I did not feel as productive during the month that I wanted to or that I've felt in years previous, and that was tough mentally. I felt like I should have been doing or accomplishing more, but when I look back on it, I worked a ton and I was able to get through that, and that is the productivity that came from it, was not completely running out of gas, which I would have had I been partaking in non-sober October events. But now that the month is over and I'm back on the wagon, off the wagon, I feel under the wagon, honestly. I feel horrible. And, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not happy. I'm in a really bad place, and I realized that today. Today's a day off, really one of my first days with no work and no social obligations, nobody to see in a while. And I I was in bed until, like, I, sleeping until, like, 3 p.m. And when I woke up, just that, that heavy, that heaviness of, of depression was there, and I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, I don't like to talk about it. Uh, probably don't get, because I, I do talk about it on here, but I don't like to tell friends about it. I know, Nobody wants to be the guy who's just like, I'm just, I'm really depressed. I'm not having it. I don't have the energy to to maintain anything. But that's how I'm feeling. And I don't know if, you know, I've smoked weed probably the last seven days each night. Not a lot. I, I take like a puff, just enough to probably numb it all, I guess. And and it feels good during and I get a lot of thinking done. I've had some 
great thoughts and, and breakthroughs that I'll I'll get into that came from just the mind state that I get into when I smoke. And maybe that's why I'm recognizing how down I am. I mean, maybe it's, it is a positive, but I also am correlating it to maybe how deep I'm feeling this as opposed to where I was during October. Cause I know it was still there during October. I just wasn't feeling it so heavy and maybe that means I was just distracting myself from, you know, that's why I was working so much. And maybe now, or maybe with the aid of weed, I, I don't, I can't run from it. Maybe I'm forced to, to sit in it, to think about it. But one of the thoughts that I had this week was that I've got, I've got a real problem with authority. I only chuckle because, I don't know why I chuckle. I chuckle because it's a, it's a character flaw of mine and I'm admitting it and it's uncomfortable. Um, I assume it's because of my parents or, or lack thereof. You know, it was only ever my mom and I. And I've mentioned that we never communicated. Not once in my life sat down and had a talk about something. You know, I see in TV shows or movies or things with a family where something happens and they'll sit down at the dining room table and they'll talk about it. Like, not once did I ever have a, a sit-down conversation about how I was feeling or about things going on. Like, sure, we'd chat while watching TV and commercials were on, but, like, honestly, that's that's it. In the car, we always had music on and would sing. We never really, like, talked during road trips or anything never had sit down dinners which i guess conversation would come from there i played video games she watched tv whenever it was time to punish me it was just a smack some yelling of explicits and then grounding me like there was no do you know what you did do you know why that's wrong do you know this do you know that there was no real teaching yeah, I think I've mentioned I've been grounded to my room for well over uh, an entire year of my life. I'm sure that's fucked me up in some way. Probably why I'm a terrible communicator. But anyway, now any authoritative figure or even just someone trying to give me advice or doing something different than what I'm thinking, I have troubles with. I believe because I've gone through this all on my own for the most part I've figured out what I've figured out to this point on my own and I feel concrete in my morals and decision making right or wrong and I do feel I can acknowledge at least within myself when wrong And because I've had to do that and learn and grow without that parental authoritative figure, I've just um, probably grown to only trust myself. And on that, I've been thinking, 
really that the catalyst of my life, the biggest thing that's happened to affect me, something I never looked at as so important, but probably because I was repressing a lot of it was my stepdad leaving. You know, he was a father figure. A male influence and friend was all I ever wanted, and he, he gave me that from when I was four to to ten-ish. Taught me how to play soccer, introduced me to my favorite computer game, one that I played religiously, like ten hours a day, almost every day for years, and maybe that's because he left. And that was what we did together. And that was a way to try to connect or feel connected or feel what I felt when he was around. And yeah, I mean, I look back and a lot of my memories start after he moved out. I have a ton of memories from like before my mom started bringing him around which is crazy because I was two and three and I've got like some very vivid I can see these memories and then there's this big long period and I don't really I can't call on a lot of memories from from what would be the the more developmental years of my life at least not of him and he was my by far my favorite person like I feel really bad the one of the strongest memories I have is this is around the time they were getting divorced and they were, I was sleeping and I woke up to them screaming, which was a thing that happened. And I remember coming out and they're, you know, four feet apart or something, just yelling at each other's faces. And I came out and I just, I hugged him because I didn't want him to go. And I don't, uh, there's not a lot of other memories of him. But yeah, this was a thought that I, I had again earlier this week. And it makes a lot of sense, you know. I, I think that uh, losing him plays a, a much bigger role than, uh, or plays a much bigger role to to who I am now than than I let on. Or that I that I even know. Like I don't think I know. I remember <laughs> when I had this thought, I got I got chills. It felt like realizing something really important. It felt like like my life changed when I realized this. Because yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't I guess allowed myself to think about what that was like to that pain of losing my my father. And it's it's tough because, or it's weird because I obviously still have my biological father, my my, my father, but uh, I never lived with him, and he wasn't really as big in my life until after. You know, he started. I started seeing him a lot more after this time, and I guess I was able to transition back. But you don't just replace them the father that you had every day for for years
I've been falling asleep on the couch a lot <laughs> in these past, uh, these 10 days, these November days. Do other people, do you fall asleep? Anybody that lives alone, nobody else in their house, just them, do you fall asleep on the couch often? Is that a normal thing to do? Because I imagine with roommates, and I've lived with roommates for a year, and I don't think I ever really fell asleep on the couch, maybe once or twice, but not the way that I do it, and not as frequently as I do it at home. And it's, I mean, it's because I know that it's just me, and I can, like, get comfortable and whatever. I'm not in anybody's way. But is that weird? Like, it's not healthy. A healthy person probably says, I'm tired, I'm going to bed now, instead of being like, I'm tired, I'm gonna blanket and pillow up here and fall asleep watching TV, watching uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime. Somebody gave me their Disney Plus login recently, so I've got that now. But yeah, is that normal? Do you do that? My mother did that. Shit you not. Every single night. I can never remember a night where she didn't fall asleep on the couch watching some TV show and moving to bed at like 2, 3, 4 in the morning. So many memories of either being in my room and then like hearing the TV turn off and then her stumble half asleep to bed or if I'm up late playing on the computer and her waking up and you know, here she goes to bed and then stumbling down the hallway to bed which is sad when I look back at it it's really it's hard to look back and know now how much pain probably mental suffering my mom was going through when you know, she didn't really have anybody. She didn't have a lot of friends. Didn't have partners that stuck around too long. And, and her and I never communicated. You know, her her dad died when she was a, a teenager and her and her mom had a falling out. And even her sisters she doesn't really talk to. And I can't imagine how alone she probably felt and I didn't um, I probably didn't help and I probably don't help now I'm not again I'm not good at communicating and um, neither is she and that's where I get it from but I should you know I I feel I'm more intelligent. I feel I'm more aware and I feel I'm I understand what and why and I should then know how to change it. And maybe that's where I'm not smart enough. Cuz I feel I should have the intelligence to make the changes. And I like I don't know. I feel I use the crutch of mental health as an excuse to not do the things I know I should do. 
in a lot of instances, a lot of cases. It's like someday I just got to grow up. I need to be more energetic in my mind is what I think I need to do. I need to encourage myself more and feel special more instead of blah. You know, and it starts with me and starts within me. It must have been a podcast I was listening to or something I was reading. I'm going through The Mindful Way Through Depression, a book right now. And might have been in there. Basically, yeah, I think that generally the the thoughts that I have are more down. Sad, pessimistic, rather than encouraging and yeah, this is gonna be fun. Go get it. It's more like oh, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna be uncomfortable, and I'm not gonna do well here and uh, if I do this, it's not going to work. And uh, What if I fuck up? Like, if I can switch that to be more like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Oh, it'll be so much fun. And if not, I'll, I'll learn something. Like, at least I'll be better after it. You know, discomfort is the biggest time of growth for humans. So upbeat, more uh, more energy within me. It's not even physical energy, but more mental energy. And that's probably what I'm maybe fighting, but I think that that's easier to, or I'd like to hope that that's easier to create and it's more of a, a something that needs to be practiced. Practice flipping the switch from pessimistic to optimistic or discouraging to encouraging. I think that just needs time, but I think if I can uh, write that down, have that, see that, read that every day and start acknowledging when I'm thinking that and then switch it. Because I did that, and I've mentioned before, I did that with saying thank you in my head or, or even sometimes audibly, but uh, mostly in my head when something almost goes wrong, when I almost drop this or when I drop this, but things are fine. Or, you know, when something goes wrong, but not as bad as they could have been. You know, when you notice the little slip, stumble, trip, drop, but you catch it before it, before it goes bad. Appreciating that uh, things are good, things are fine. And one of the things early on in, in the mindful way through depression that I read you know, its first main focus is awareness and mindfulness. It talks about the fact that most of our lives are done on autopilot. Somewhat mindlessly going from task to task, always thinking about what's next instead of what's now. And I think I'm pretty guilty of that. Like, I'm never, it's probably why I'm never happy. Because I'm never in the moment and Happiness is only ever in the moment. And if I'm always looking forward, then I'm always looking at what I don't know yet. And when you look at what you don't know yet, you, you can get anxious. And when you're anxious, you're usually 
not very optimistic. You're worried. You're filled with more negative emotions than than positive. Whereas when you live in the now and you're just like, I'm here. I'm healthy for the <laughs> for the most part. I hurt my injured my ankle at hockey, and it is not good. It is one of the worst pains I've experienced. I'm worried that it's worse than it is because it's all the way up. My ankle has started to balloon and it's reaching up to like the top of my calf, right under my knee, on the back of my knee. It's like a weird tendon that's protruding more than before. Anyway, it really makes you uh, appreciate when you're when you're feeling healthy when you're not hurt and i think that's the point is i can't uh you know i I didn't appreciate a week ago when i wasn't hurt and there was always something wrong and now it's like i would give so many things to not be injured right now and i should have been enjoying that moment of time not hurt enjoying that moment of time healthy and that's really now i like sit back and i take a breath and I'm like it's you know I'm lucky to not be worrying about this pandemic so much because I am unaffected by it I'm healthy and my my friends and family are healthy because there's a lot of people that I'm sure are affected by it and on that note uh, I hurt myself at hockey and I was pissed because I was gonna miss games obviously and uh BC where I live we just got slapped with new restrictions the day after my injury so we're shut down, half shut down for for two weeks. So I've got two weeks. I'll got, I've got two weeks to heal here, and that's that's something to appreciate. Be like, wow, as much as that's a bad situation, I got some. I got some help from uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry. So cheers to her for helping me not miss games. Hopefully. Maybe not cheers to her because here's our here's our new restrictions. We're going from a pretty open society and life besides the fact that you gotta I don't even know what you gotta do. You can't have more than six people in a group when you go out to a bar, but like if you're at a park or something, nobody's gonna care if there's like ten of you um but everything's pretty normal. everything's running. Brew, breweries, <laughs> breweries, just restaurants are open, drinking spots are open, people can sort of do their, or could do their normal things. And now, uh, there was a there was a recommended only six-person bubble, so you're only supposed to have six people and only see those six people. Um, but now where we're at, what they announced this weekend was you are not allowed to see anybody that you do not live with. So your six-person bubble is gone. You can only see people that you live with. Fair. Well, trying to combat a pandemic. Thoughts on pandemic aside, this is fair. But she didn't close down restaurants or bars or breweries so nobody's fucking following it it should not be on us brewery industry workers to enforce that and it's not nobody we're not going to check everybody's id and confirm that 
they live where they say they do and that they're roommates with these people. So immediately in, in the days since, we've had people that obviously don't live together, show up five minutes apart. They have a big hug when they see each other. It's like, hmm, I don't think you guys woke up in the same house earlier today. It seems like you haven't seen each other in a while. And I think I realized just on pandemic related ideas that really this time is is fucking with me and i i honestly had no idea until this thought occurred i thought i was doing fine doing great really and in a lot of ways i i am but a lot of my relations have fallen apart during this time i feel a lot more lonely or me against the worldy and i think that's because of the lack of human interaction i'm so untrained on social and communicative things already but not being able to to practice it for 9 months it's really falling apart and i'm just reclining from it all reclining Re recoiling re uh pulling away from it all does that make sense i think it has a lot to do with the lack of hugs you know i'm a big hugger there's a connection you feel there's a there's a peace a, a calmness in a good hug and you know my friends whether they like it or not which i think they do i think we're i think we're all huggers um but most of my friends yeah it's a big hug to to say hi good to see you it's a hug when we say bye love you get home safe and i think it's you know 9 months without uh, without many hugs is taking its toll definitely been fiending for some hugs holding them a little longer and i think that's one of the the farther reaching impacts of this whole thing that we maybe don't realize quite yet and the just the general rise of of anxiety and and maybe depression and loneliness besides the actual physical separations is whatever we mentally get from from seeing people from feeling connected from 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 hugging from physical contact you know as things were right hug a new person probably every month or two a friend of a friend or somebody i've met and same bite of the mouth like yeah well give this new person a hug cuz don't want them to feel left out just talking to new people experiencing new people all these things are probably playing into to our to our brains our little our chemistries I'll tell you what it makes me feel so much worse for my cat Bells here beside me cuddled up all cute seeming normal I'm like Bell how do you do it how did you go from being an outdoor cat to being locked up in a house all day every day for the rest of your life feel I need to free her cuz I don't know I I can barely do it
things things and stuff that I like to try to do to keep you coming back every episode. You know, ooh, what uh, what's the recommendation today? Um, last episode I started the song of what the song of now the sun song of song of now. All it is is it's the song that I am listening to right now as of now. I generally go through periods of uh, just every time I I hop on my bike or every time I'm putting on music I'll start with with one song first that I've been uh, listening to basically on repeat or at least every fifth to tenth song Um, and last episode it was Colors by The Black Pumas and this time and what I'm gonna like about this is it's gonna really give you a taste probably for my my taste. I'll give you a taste of my musical taste. A little tongue touch of my ear taste buds. So the song I've been listening to the past little while is Shot You Down by Isaiah Rashad. Give it a give it a whirl. Let me know what you think. It is featuring Schoolboy Q and J-Rock. So very uh, TDE. And, yeah, it's not, um, I don't really have much to say about it. It's just, it's been what I've been listening to. Gets me going. Head starts bobbing. It's one that, um, yeah, it's just, it's what I'm looking for right now. Nothing worse than thinking of something around the start of a point choosing not to tangent onto that thing you thought because you want to finish the point and then finishing the point and forgetting the thought (laughs) which is what I just did Um, because there's something I was going to say at the start of that that I thought of but I wanted to finish my point Um, something to do with hip-hop rapidy raps music nope nope it's not it's not in there anyway shot you down Isaiah Rashad give it a listen and the recommendation for today for this episode is the movie I See You it's on Amazon Prime I'm sure you can get a, a free trial if you don't have an account. I'm sure you can illegally stream it. Not that I condone stealing content from the interweb, but uh, you can do it. I see you. Helen Hunt. Hell of a woman. Helen of a woman, Hunt. Um, she's old now, in case you're expecting Twister or Mad About You, Helen Hunt, which is definitely always my my mental image of her. She's now a grandmother. Um, but still uh still amazing. I hope uh hope she listens to the podcast one day. Um she's in it, bunch of other people, actors and actresses. Uh it's a suspense, a, a horror maybe. Twists, turns. Give it a watch. I don't don't watch a trailer. Just watch the movie. 
even if you don't like scary movies, it's not that scary. And as it builds up to scare, it changes on you and it lets you calm down and relax a little bit. And then it just plays with you a little bit. But please give ICU a watch. Hell of a movie. My boy Scooter thinks it's the worst movie ever. So if you are someone who has opinions about movies, uh, then, then watch it and let me know so that we can settle this dispute because I think it is. I finished it and I just sat there like, oh my goodness, what a film. I wanted to watch it again. Um, haven't enjoyed a movie on the first watch as I did with that one in, in a long time. And I said that to him, and he asked me, what does that even fucking mean? And it means that, you know, there's certain movies where you see for a second or a third time, and you're like, oh, wow, I really like that. Or you see, uh, yeah, you just go back to a movie you saw a while ago, and you're like, that's actually a really good fucking movie. That's one of my favorites. And then there's some movies that you watch for the first time, and you're just like, you're blown away. You're like, that was exactly what I was looking for. I want to watch this again right now. And that's what this movie did for me. In a way that no movie, no movie since maybe Arrival has done. So watch I See You. Give me your thoughts, your rundown. Listen to Shot You Down. Help COVID cases go down. Lie down and relax at some point. Take a mental health day. Don't ever feel like you can't take a mental health day. And um, smile. Try to smile. Crazy, crazy turbulent times in the world are not only upon us and have been upon us, but there, there's more coming. And it's easy to get caught in, caught up in subconsciously caught up in it all and not know that you're uh, losing control. So remember to sit down and, and, and grab control and just sit with it for a bit and, and smile. All right. That's it. That's all I got. I love you. Stay pretty. Stay Stay sane, maybe try. Try to do that. Stay sane. Stay you. Whoever you are. Stay you. Know that you can change. And you can make yourself better. But do it for you.